It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, the streak is over and Pascal Siakam is the reason why we will dig into how and why Pascal Siakam was able to put up 52 9 and 7 to take down the Knicks and their winning streak and the Raptors losing streak we'll get to all that we got the good the bad and the hmm and so much more plenty of flowers plenty of excitement and less trade talk than we've had all week long let's get to it oh like because when I shot I expected to make it so like I don't shoot kind of miss you are locked on Raptors Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mopi. Get that garbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1307 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, December the 22nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I'm covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And you can go over to YouTube, hit the big red subscribe button there to support the show in video form. And it's much appreciated when you do that. And uh, coming at you at a little earlier of a drop time than we typically do here for the show. But that's because we got a really fun win to break down. A win! A win! It's wonderful! What? I forgot what this feels like. It feels like it's been forever since the Raptors picked up a dub. And we're going to dig into it on today's show. Of course, Pascal Siakam will be the headliner and probably come up multiple times throughout the show. Because what we just saw from him was one of the single best Raptors single game individual performances I have ever seen. I've been covering this team for nine years. I've been watching this team for like 24 years, and I don't know if I've ever seen something more impressive than what Siakam just did at MSG. We will talk about that and much more in just a second, but before we do that, just let you know, today's show is brought to you 
by BetterHelp as the world's largest therapy service. BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, let's get to it. Like I said, we'll get to the good, the bad, and the hmm later on. We're going to hand out flowers to the likes of Fred Van Vliet and Malachi Flynn, rotation player, Malachi Flynn. Put the stamp on it. It's there. We'll get to all of that. But my goodness, Pascal Siakam in this game, 41 minutes. The dude just plays all the minutes and doesn't seem to slow down. It's one of the most unheralded things about Pascal Siakam. You know, all this con- you know concern and consternation about minutes, the dude just keeps on playing. He played all but two minutes in the first half. And in that first half, he put up 26-5-5. And, and it was like, wow, that was impressive. No way is he going to top that in the second half. Nope, he just does, get, does the exact same. 26 points again in that second half. The third quarter, 17 straight points to respond to a Knicks run, which looked like it was going to send this game down a familiar script. And Siakam just there to sort of shut the door on New York. I I mean, what else can you say about this dude? 52, 9, and 7, 17 of 25 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, 16 of 18 from the free throw line. He was a pivotal factor on defense as well, uh, as the Raptors went with a lot of zone in this game. We'll talk about that coming up as well. But, man, just there is a lot that we've said about Pascal Siakam on this show, and a lot of things Raptors fans have said about Pascal Siakam positively. But I don't even know if they fully encapsulate what an incredible player this dude is and just how pivotal he is to everything the Raptors want to do. The Raptors' best lineup is right now is Pascal plus any four guys, and he makes it work. Happened in the second quarter, playing out there with Thad and Wancho and Malachi Flynn and Chris Boucher. Um, You know, just kind of no matter the teammates he's out there with, they even at times in this game staggered him without Fred Van Vliet, which was a bit of a new little wrinkle in the rotation patterns as well for Nick Nurse. And he was able to rock without Fred Van Vliet just fine and and get his own. Just... I know there's been a lot of stuff this week and and over the course of the losing streak. Okay, what do you do going forward here? Do you move on from Pascal Siakam because he's not in the same timeline as Scotty Barnes? The reality is this is the Pascal Siakam timeline. This is the Pascal Siakam era of the Raptors. And as great as Scotty Barnes figures to potentially be one day, he was certainly not that tonight. We'll get to that later on in the uh, bad section of the good, the bad, and the hmm. As much as Scotty Barnes is pivotal to the future of the team, this is Siakam's time, and it should be on the front office to be maximizing what they have in this guy. He's unbelievable. He's one of the best players in the NBA, and to not want to keep to keep him around long term, to be sort of spooked off by the potential of a supermax. And you know, I saw someone today in the comments suggest, oh, but like if you you sign Siakam to a supermax, if it happens, then you know you're gonna have the Beal or Levine contract on your hands, and that's just not true. He's better than both of those guys by orders of magnitude. He's incredible. He can be an offense unto himself. Obviously, for the team to have real results, he's going to need help, and he got some help tonight, and that was fantastic. But the way he just seems to know the beats and rhythms of every single player on the floor. It's not just the guys on his own team. It's not just the defense. He knows what everything he does whenever he makes a move with the ball, whenever he looks at the rim, whenever he does anything, he knows the exact reaction that's going to come from any other player on the floor. It's just complete and total basketball control and while he's not maybe the more you know the most sort of explosive dude he's not Giannis powering to the rim for thrilling dunks over and over again 
He is every bit a superstar. He is every bit a guy that you keep your team together to build around. That's just, and tonight I think was just like a wonderful reminder of that and the timing of it for him to break the losing streak with his individual brilliance. To me, that just speaks to, you know, the exact type of guy that he is, the exact type of the exact reasons why the front office, why Masai Ujiri in the offseason said, that's a dude you go to war with. I'll have that guy on my team any day. It's it, And for me, like you even look up and down the roster, you look at Scotty Barnes, for example, really struggling right now, having such a difficult time with the just the speed of defense in the NBA and having a lot of growing pains, as is to be expected. Tonight was one of his worst games, and again, we'll get into it later, but to not... Like to have that dude playing underneath the tutelage of Pascal Siakam, I don't know how that doesn't make you feel good about the long term prospects because Siakam is living proof that like the work pays off, the work matters, and the work he's put in to become this level of player, the guy who can just go off from mid range because the rim is being walled off by Mitchell Robinson and J- Julius Randle had himself a pretty nice defensive game, I guess, you know, considering he was guarding. Pascal allowed him to go for 52 maybe not that nice um but like around the rim he was he was a he was a deterrent as was Mitchell Robinson as was Isaiah Hartenstein the Knicks pretty good defensive team all told and yet whatever they threw at him he was able to counter it you know he the the, the pull-up mid-range game is just such an added element to what he's doing this season I'm sure the numbers will go up uh significantly after this game um I'm just going to try to find it right here on the fly see where he's at from the various spots in the mid-range but we just we know that it's like it's just a total new repertoire from hit from him. He's at 37% right now between 16 and three point 16 feet in the three point line. He's at 44% from 10 to 16 feet. Like and that's gonna go up after this one. He was just unbelievable. Didn't matter where the Knicks funneled him to, what spots they wanted him to go to. He was burying it. Um, and you know you factor in the playmaking as well. You know he hit Malachi Flynn. There was a very indicative playmaking situation in this game where it was in the first half I believe as Pascal's going off and he is you know kind of in the middle of a ridiculous second quarter as he puts up like 14 points or whatever the hell it was it was insane um I think he ended up with 17 in the quarter actually but he had been drawing the attention of the Knicks nonstop for good reason and then all of a sudden he can kick into play playmaker mode when the the defense collapses even further you leave a Malachi Flynn wide open on the wing He's finding him for those shots. Like, there were a couple turnovers here and there you would like back, probably. Actually, just one turnover. Wow. One turnover. One. Ridiculous. Uh, A couple sort of almost busted plays, I guess, that were kind of sticking in my mind as turnovers that were not, in fact. But, um, yeah, just, I'm without words. If you don't think Pascal Siakam is uh, the dude you kind of build this team around going forward, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just speaking to a particularly insane subset of the fan base. But if you can watch Pascal Siakam night to night, see what he does, see him put in, again, one of the best single Raptors performances that we've ever seen, considering the circumstances, how necessary that win felt as well. You know, the difference between 14 and 18 as opposed to 13 and 19 just feels absolutely massive. And Siakam is the reason that they're at 14 and 18 and seem to maybe have a glimmer of hope here. Schedule's still hard. It's just, it's not all, the work's not all done in one shot here. There's plenty of stuff to work on, of course, for this team. Um, and there were times in this game where it looked like they were going to piss it away. And it was totally maddening. But Pascal Siakam, man, that dude is the dude you go to war with, and it was a lovely reminder of that tonight. 52-9-7. Insane. Truly insane. Unguardable. 
We're going to come back on the other side, dig into the uh, other good stuff from this game that I thought is worth noting. Talk about the zone defense and the way the Raptors, I think, kind of very smartly altered their base defense in this one. We'll get into OG Ananobi and Fred Van Vliet, who I thought had really strong games. Malachi Flynn as well. We'll get to that coming up in just one second here. But before we do that, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual, so when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. It is a very difficult thing, dealing with difficult emotions, not having people to throw your thoughts and ideas and emotions off of, and you don't want to do that all for someone else, you know, for example, someone you love. You dump all your stuff onto them. They have stuff they're dealing with as well. A therapist gives you someone who you can talk to about you and have no biases, no baggage, nothing built in. It's just you and your therapist talking about you and trying to help you grapple with what's going on in your own head. BetterHelp is the wonderful way to get in touch with therapists who are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. I myself have not done therapy in the past. I have very much circled it and considered it. It's a thing I'm grappling with that I should probably talk to a therapist about, about my inability to dive on into it. However, lots of people I know have used therapy as a way to better understand themselves and work on themselves, find coping mechanisms, whatever it might be. All of our struggles are different, and our th the therapists that BetterHelp offers are there to help you identify those struggles and make it so you can cope with them and live a more positive life. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists, available 100% online, plus it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% on your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash locked on NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on. I apologize in advance if this is like a bit of a scattershot chaos episode. Normally, I'll save the podcast for the next morning. I'll watch the game back again, gather my thoughts. But I really felt like I should be jumping on here to sort of meet you in the moment of the streak ending, which, again, feels just a massive weight off the shoulders. This game felt like a playoff game, but without, like, the joy and anticipation that typically comes with a playoff game, it was, like, all dread because there was a completely total downside if you lose this game. Like, you fall to 13 and 19, the Vultures circle more, another game that a lot of people watched on a crazy NBA night, lots of folks tuning in. And to have them lose that one after such a promising start to this one as well would have been just a total gut shot. And it was really, really great. A total relief when Julius Randle airballed that layup at the end of the game. That was sort of like, oh, okay, the streak's over. Things can be normal now. The Raptors maybe have a chance to restabilize and sort of figure themselves out here as they have stopped the bleeding, at least for one day. Um, and let's dive into some of the other reasons why they were able to stop the bleeding. We'll talk in a sec about some players, but I do think Nick Nurse deserves some credit for what he did in this game defensively. 
Raptors ran a whole lot of zone in this one. I don't know the full numbers on how, how it was it's too close after the game to know, but they ran zone a ton in this game and it bothered the Knicks. It, it, it discombobulated them. It made them confused. It made them for, you know, force up a lot of threes. They shot uh, 11 to 26 from three in this game, but it felt like a lot of those kind of came, um, you know, not at critical junctures of the game, if you will. Like I, I think the Raptors zone defense worked incredibly well in very, important key pockets of the game start of the fourth quarter for example second quarter as well um but start of the fourth quarter i think was you know kind of one of the the key pivot points maybe of the entire season frankly the zone defense was excellent they bought pascal siakam four plus minutes there you know through a combination of og thad and fred van vliet that was beautiful to see um and the thing that i liked about going to the zone and i've been kind of advocating for this a little bit more not just zone in particular but just like a simplification of what the raptors do on defense is you know guys seem confused guys seem not on a string and the raptors defense as it's constructed when it's not on a string the issues compound and sort of layer on top of one another and make it really difficult for the raptors to get the rope back whereas when you're in the zone it's simplified obviously it's not the easiest thing there's a lot of intricacies to it all of that but it's a simplified form of playing defense. It doesn't require the massive ground coverage the Raptors typically ask for. And it freed up, I think, a little bit of energy for Pascal Siakam on the other end of the floor. And I just, like, for the half-court offense in general, Fred Van Vliet operated the, the half-court offense really smoothly in this one. He missed some shots, but, you know, the pick-and-roll he was operating was really nice to see. And it just felt like they had more juice on the offensive end you know, the last couple minutes of the game, maybe notwithstanding, but uh, like, I felt like they had more juice. I felt like maybe they conserved some energy defensively and they didn't have to depend on steals and turnovers to get themselves rolling in this one. They forced a ton of turnovers later on in this game. Um, but for the most part, like they, they weren't like running out with it with a ton of steals or anything like that. They only had in this game uh, seven steals, which is well below where they typically kind of come in. And I think because Pascal was just walking to wherever he wanted to go, getting to the line a ton, the Raptors had solutions to their half-court offense in this game, so it didn't require them to play in transition all the time. Look, they still got their opportunities on the run, to be sure, but the half-court was really where this game was won for the Raptors because they actually got production out of it, whether it was... You know, Fred Van Vliet hitting threes, you know, around screens in, in the pick and roll, whether it was, you know, any of the various ways in which the Siakam Fred pick and roll, the inverted version of it was working in this game. That gave the Raptors enough in the half court and made it so they could be more chill on defense. And I think that benefited them greatly. So that was a great adjustment by Nick Nurse. We'll get to an adjustment I didn't like from him later on in the show. But uh, some other notes here, you know, I think Fred was tremendous. Yeah, t 10 of 24, you like to be a little bit more efficient, especially from two-point range. He was 4 of 10 from three, and so the fast math is 6 of 14 from two-point range. Not ideal. There were a few moments where he kind of seemed like he was out of ideas in the half court and, and you know couldn't quite size guys up couldn't get the corner turned against you know some of the the wing defenders the Knicks were throwing at him um but overall 28 points four assists three steals as well I don't know how you can be upset with what Fred did in this game obviously the big three late kind of on the run catch and shoot on the wing uh that's a like a massive game-changing shot right on the heels of that Randall miss and that's again what kind of sealed it Am I getting that right? I always, I'm bad at remembering. I'm not, I'm not LeBron at remembering the exact order of operations of plays. Either way, um, this is the side effect you get with me recording directly after the buzzer when I'm all juiced up and excited. Um, 
But yeah, I thought Fred, the way he ran the half-court offense in this one, the way they just spammed that Siakam-Fred pick-and-roll, like, it works. It's a beautifully constructed play. It's really difficult to guard. I mean, you have any spacing around it at all, it becomes pretty devastating. And honestly, they didn't have, like, a ton of spacing in this one. They didn't shoot well from three. Nine of 34, kind of as you like with this team. It's typically how they roll. Um, but with Fred being able to use those Siakam screens to burst free for those pull-up threes at the top of the arc. Um, you know, OG, I think, was spacing nicely in this game. One of six from three. Don't love to see that. Not a great continuation from his promising return a couple nights ago from downtown, but still pretty good stuff there. Um, yeah, I, I thought Fred was pretty integral to the way the half-court offense ran in this game, and it looked better than it has in a very long time. It was smooth. It was you know, functioning for, for good long sections of this one. A couple of you know, late game, it got a little bit hairy there because they just kind of ran out of ideas, a couple of busted possessions, things like that. That's going to be expected because they're not perfect, obviously, but really promising signs stepping forward um, in the half-court offense. And I think Fred was pretty important to that. And also, we got to give some love to Malachi Flynn because, boy, oh, boy, he's a rotation guy now. He just has to be. He just does things on the floor that do good things for the Raptors. That's a very dumb worded way to say it, but eight points in this one, just two assists, two of five from three though. He's shooting with reckless abandon. That's what you want to see. He's an actual real live spacing option for the Toronto Raptors, which is not something they've had very much of this season. And I thought Flynn tonight was deserving of closing this one out. Um, you know, there's another guy who kind of almost maybe flirted with closing who didn't quite work out for. We'll talk about him in a sec. I keep on teasing to it. I, I'm Scotty will be fine, but man. Um, but yeah, Flynn's got to play. There's no st full stop. He's got to be part of the rotation. He just it offers something that the Raptors don't have a whole lot of. And the extra, even just a tiny little extra ball, you know, the ball, ball handling and creation that he brings, even though he's not doing it a whole, a whole lot, anytime he can kind of bail out the end of a clock with a mid-range jumper or something like that, like that's a decent shot for the time and situation and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, Malachi Flynn, he's got to be in the rotation. I can't believe I'm saying it. I can't believe we're here. But it's undeniable at this point. Malachi Flynn was awesome tonight in, you know, a muted stat line. But the plus 15, I think, very much tells the story. When he was on the floor, the Raptors looked like a more competent basketball team. He had the big block on Emmanuel quickly later on in the game as well. That's massive. I didn't know he could block threes. Um, just channeling his inner Chris Boucher out there. That was awesome. Just... Uh, Exciting stuff from Malachi Flynn. Hopefully this can continue forward. This has happened in the past, of course. He's had moments and stretches where he's strung it together, and then it's kind of tapered off. But this kind of feels different, honestly. A little bit. Nick Nurse is actually giving him extended run, and he's not looking like he's, you know, afraid of the moment or anything like that. He was, like, super comfortable, very calming, honestly, as a, as a player on the floor, as things were getting a little not so calm in the closing parts of this game. I thought Malachi Flynn was a really nice steadying presence. Really good stuff from him. Rotation his ass up, please. All right, let's continue on. On the other side, we will close it out with the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we round out every game recap episode of this here podcast. We will do that in just one second. Before we do that, however... I have to tell you about Sweatblock. And let me tell you, I wish I had Sweatblock on hand for me uh, today. I am out of my Sweatblock wipes. They're on my list for Santa. I'm very excited to get them back because that was a stressful game, and I'm feeling it. I'm wearing a hoodie. Probably doesn't matter. It's probably showing through. Uh, thankfully, it's a dark color. That's I have to wear all dark colors. That's just the way I roll because I am a sweaty guy, and Sweatblock helps me address that very sometimes embarrassing problem because it's got a wonderfully formulated formula 
good good english sean uh that keeps you from excessive sweating the best the way you use it you go before you go to bed at night you throw on the wipes you, you give a little wipe down you go to bed you wake up and boom you have protection for up to seven days from excessive sweating all with sweat block it gives you the confidence to wear what you want without embarrassing sweat sweat block wipes are featured and tested on the rachel ray show by firefighters those are sweaty dudes too as well and they work. I, I am a user of Sweatblock. I fully endorse the product. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with the promo code Locked On at Sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. Go check them out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's get into the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out today's episode of the show. The good for me... I think I would trust Thaddeus Young with my life. Uh, we haven't talked about him a ton here. He played heavy minutes down the stretch here in this one. 24, po- 24 minutes, two points, four boards, seven rebounds, three steals. Like, just, we love Thad Young, man. Like, the, the, the muted stat line, but the very loud and declarative effect on positive winning basketball. The box outs, the, the way he kind of can slide in there to swipe a ball away and get a steal. The offensive rebounding, three offensive boards in this game, all of them pivotal. Um, Thad Young, man, uh, closing with him, he might be their best option as a closing center right now, especially with the next guy we're going to talk about struggling so profoundly at the moment. Thad Young is just like, I I thought he should have closed the game on Monday. The Raptors might win the game on Monday against the Sixers if Thad Young plays the final couple minutes instead of Scotty Barnes. Um, It it just a really, really tight-ass basketball player who doesn't blow you away with anything he does he's gonna miss wide open threes in very bricky fashion and all of that but man does the dude just know how to play winning basketball he's the perfect encapsulation of the whole idea that young guys don't win games veterans do Thad Young does not nearly have the skill or the upside or the talent or the beautifully prosperous future in front of him that Scotty Barnes probably does but right now, he's a guy who helps you win basketball games more. And that's just the value of having a dude who's been around the block. He just knows exactly where to be. A king of knowing where to stand. Shout out uh, Patrick Redford, Albert Bernico. I'm not exactly sure which of the two defector writers coined it originally, but it's a common refrain over with those guys. It's uh, He's a, a knows-where-to-stand champion, and he was knowing where to stand real good tonight against the Knicks. Awesome stuff from Thad Young. The uh, bad for me, let's talk about it. Scotty Barnes. This was, I think, the worst game Scotty Barnes has played as a Toronto Raptor. 27 minutes, 1 of 10 from the field, 2 points, 6 boards, 3 assists. He had a couple of nice assists, to be sure. He had a beautiful dump-off pass to a cutting Fred Van Vliet who was getting in behind Mitchell Robinson. Uh, no look, to, no less, because that's what he does. Uh, he had the nice dump-off as well to OG Ananobi. But this was a struggle for Scotty Barnes. And truthfully, the defense, I don't know what's going on with the defense. 
you know, around the rim, this is a tough matchup because the the Knicks are big. Like, they're really burly. I think Scotty's had a pretty good run of being at least a deterrent at the rim. But in this one, Mitchell Robinson, too strong for him. You know, Isaiah Hartenstein, too big for him. Julius Randle, too strong for him. And the problem was, like, the Raptors don't have a ton of rim protection as it is. Tonight, when those guys got inside 10 feet, they were basically just putting it in, laying it in the bucket. That was just kind of how it was going. And Scotty Barnes, as much as he was doing the arms up, no fouling thing quite regularly in this one you know, only one personal foul from him he was doing the sort of foul get 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 big and not foul thing that was nice but it just didn't really have much effect to it and even more so is just the perimeter defense is non-existent right now the transition defense looks just completely lost and confused like it's just it's i mean he was in there tonight in the fourth quarter i didn't think he should have come back in I thought, you know, benching him for the fourth quarter was the right idea. Normally, I'm fully in favor of playing guys through their struggles. You know, young guys in particular, let them figure it out. Let them make mistakes on the fly. It's all part of it. But when you've lost six games in a row and the win feels that necessary and that attainable, I didn't think Scotty Barnes should be in there. There's a timeout with 6-10 left to go in the fourth quarter. OG comes out for a sec. I just get, get got to get him a breather, I suppose. Still getting back from injury. You don't want to overburden him too much. He plays 36 minutes in this one. But in those two minutes after OG goes out, Scotty comes back in for him. And it's just disastrous. Like, he does no idea where to be on defense. The offense right now, the decision-making is not quite fast enough. I don't worry about it necessarily because the flashes of what Scotty Barnes is capable of are more than enough to satiate me when I think about his upside. He is just a brilliant basketball player at his best. He is a massive physical force. He's strong. He can get downhill. Uh, He's a beautiful passer. He reads the game really well. That stuff, I feel like, is all eventually going to lead to a more consistent approach, a more night-to-night reliability in terms of what you're expecting from Scotty Barnes. But right now, the sort of just the total lack of an idea of what he's doing on defense. It's honestly some of the worst defense I've seen a Raptor play since like Matt Thomas. That's not company you want to be keeping because Matt Thomas was a dude who I often referred to as a chicken with his head cut off on defense, just kind of flying around, putting his arms up, hoping something was going to happen. Scotty is kind of playing a similar style of defense right now. And like, I think he's better than what he's shown clearly. I do think as the Raptors hopefully maybe learn from this game and simplify things a little bit, that maybe things get a little easier for him, but the point of attack defense is not existent at the moment. And I, I just, you know, I think it was the right call to not close with him. I think it was the right call to yank him after those couple minutes with OG in. This is, again, nothing against the future of Scotty Barnes. I think he's going to be awesome. I think um, the just the flashes, I think it was our pal Jay on Twitter, and please forgive me if I'm misattributing this, but mentioned... The reason it was kind of a thread going on with myself and our pal Asad Alvi um, from Yahoo Sports, um, you know, the, his, his note was, you know, not so worried about Scotty because the ceiling is very clearly there. It's the floor that is really the problem right now because the floor can just fall out from itself. And Asad kind of pointed out in that interaction we had that it's just like a lack of professionalism and preparation, it seems. And honestly, I think that's fair. Like, it, it does seem. You know, the road games have been way worse for Scotty this season. The splits are, like, pretty profound there as well. Um, you wonder if there's just something going on with just the way he's preparing or just, you know, you don't know. It's hard to say. A lot of stuff happens behind the scenes that we don't have an idea of. And as I'm sure I'm recording this right now, I'm sure Nick Nurse is fielding questions about Scotty Barnes. Um, and we'll have more to say on it. But, you know, as far as right now, Scotty's not helping them win games. 
I still think most nights you're going to play him as 35 minutes or whatever it is and, and, and live with the mistakes. But tonight, when that win was so, so necessary, I think it was fine to leave him on the bench and to pull him out after that little stretch of uh, not performing so well in OG's stead. He's going to be fine. There's a lot to like about Scotty Barnes just right now. He's kind of searching for it a little bit. And, um, you know, they, they couldn't afford to let him search for it when the seventh straight loss is kind of sitting there and the season is, you know, maybe not hanging in the balance, but certainly, like, it could be. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we're going to come back. Wait, we're not coming back. We're going to get now to the hmm. I got ahead of myself there. Round out the show with the hmm. I, I do just want to sort of go back to that start of the fourth quarter. And just pause it, hmm, are we going to look back on those four-plus minutes that the Raptors played with Fred Van Vliet, Malachi Flynn, OG Ananobi, I want to say Chris Boucher, and Thad Young. Are we going to look back at that stretch where they win those minutes 9-7, to Pascal on the bench having just scored the previous 17 points for the Raptors, getting a breather, having played through three quarters all but two minutes. They save maybe the whole season by winning that stretch of minutes without Pascal and getting him back into the game. Plenty of rest in that fourth quarter. He goes to work. He scores nine points in the fourth. Uh, that was such a pivotal stretch, man. And I I really do think if the Raptors can turn this thing around, stabilize, get, get on a bit of a run here going into the new year, we're going to look back at the start of the fourth quarter at MSG on December the 21st as one of the turning points of the season. There's a lot of work to be done. They could go and lose the next three, and you know, considering how they've played, that maybe wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. But um, if there is a turnaround here, circle that four-minute stretch at the start of the fourth quarter without Pascal Siakam. It was totally massive, really, and not something we've seen a whole lot of, right? Like, they have just kind of piddled away these leads, not survived without their best players. They needed to give Siakam just some support tonight. Would have liked a little bit more than three players in double figures. Obviously, Fred and OG really, really just kind of carrying the day for the rest of the supporting cast. Flynn, obviously, with the eight points was nice, too. But um, you know, the way they survived those minutes, the defense, the, the, the turnovers they forced, really, really massive stuff. And with that, we're going to round out the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. There will be no Friday episode, holiday family stuff going on for me. Uh, so we'll be off that day. And so this will be the last episode before... Christmas. If you're observing, have a wonderful holiday. We'll be back again next week on Monday to break down all that has gone on. Maybe not Monday. Uh, I'll be at a family thing. Tuesday. I promise you Tuesday is the next episode as we will, uh, you know, trudge forward towards the new year. We'll go Tuesday through Friday next week and then get back to the regular five-a-week schedule beyond that. But uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful holiday, everybody. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Sports Today is Pete Bukowski is running through the biggest stories from across the NBA. And maybe just maybe Pascal Siakam is going to find himself on the Thursday morning edition of Locked On Today, or at least he will in the form of a mention by yours truly. Um, either way, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, thank you for supporting the show. It's holiday time. We're not going anywhere, but it always feels like the end of the year once we get to the holidays. So it's always nice to, I think, show some appreciation for the wonderful people who have supported this show for a very, very long time. You're all amazing and uh, looking forward to getting through the holidays here and getting back. And hopefully the Raptors can keep on winning the games because it's really fun when they win games. We're not talking about trades. We're not talking about nothing. But good fun basketball that a whole family can enjoy that'll do it have a good one everybody bye bye
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.